Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I'm joined by the captain of the ship behind his head, Spencer Horn. <laughs> Spencer, how you doing? Awesome. I'm doing terrific. Yeah, we never talked about I love to sail, and that's uh, blueprints of, uh, you know, of, my, of my sailboat. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, where do you go sailing? Well, uh, not on the shrinking Great Salt Lake. I no, assume. not on the shrinking Great Salt Lake. I, I haven't been sailing in a while, but uh, you know, sailing on on the lakes and San Francisco Harbor. I mean, just wherever I can find a, a good boat and and favorable winds. Well, we've had winds. I don't know if they've been favorable. Uh, we've got a lot of stormy weather that's come through here the last few days. Uh, did you guys get any snow up in your neck of the woods? We Spencer? do. We have snow. And last week I was, you know, I was in Chicago and Michigan and Indiana, and it was so beautiful. It was warmer in Chicago than it was in Las Vegas. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was it was absolutely stunning, and I'm excited to hop on a plane today to leave the snow here in Salt Lake and head to beautiful, sunny Cyprus and and Lebanon. Hopefully, the the sun will persist when we get there. You're leaving today. I am leaving today. Yeah, so it'll take me a while. We won't get there till Thursday night, uh, and uh, Thursday. Kind of early evening, and then we're, we're. I'm just so excited. Then Jan and I are going to hang out on the beach until you come. Yeah, I'm coming a little later. I'm coming next week, so uh, I'm cutting a little bit close. Hopefully, we don't have any flight delays or anything. But uh, I'm looking forward to visiting Cyprus. Never been there. You know, it is. It, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's beautiful in the southeastern Mediterranean. So Aia Napa right now, where we're staying, is 64 degrees. It's nighttime. But during the day, oh gosh, it's going to be rainy on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, beautiful, Sunday, beautiful. So it's going to be some sun and some rain. I must oh, bring it with awesome. me. Uh, th- apparently, they, it hardly ever rains there t- except for when I go. <laughs> so there's a correlation then. Might be. Uh, might be. Bring, you bring some the funny weather. Okay, well, Spencer, we've got an amazing topic, uh, yeah. one that's right up your alley. You sent me a really interesting study the other day from Grammarly on the state of communication. Right. And I know this is one of your specialties. Uh, you work with so many clients on communication because communication is simultaneously the cause of so many problems and the solution to most of those problems. <laughs> you are so right. You're so right. And, and you know what? I, I had a mentor. I've, I talk about Kelvin all the time. And he said, you know, the number one problem in business, the number one problem in business is communication. And our quote for on our, uh, on our uh, show today is the problem with communication, dot, dot, dot. That's, a, that, that's an excerpt from George Bernard Shaw's quote that says, the single greatest problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. And what I see, uh, Christian, is so many relationships, so many organizations struggling because of poor communication. So in the last 10 days, I've met with two teams where I did what's called the team diagnostic. We assess the team, how they're doing in terms of their productivity and the conditions on the team that allow them to sustain productivity, of which communication is one. 
And in one of the teams, uh, this is a construction team, communication was the second to the lowest on, on their scores. And then another team I did this, this past weekend was uh, a company out of Michigan was, you know, a great company, but they, their, their biggest challenge in their own admission was communication. And, they, and it's impacting all kinds of things. Now, one more anecdote. As you know, I coach, and I was on uh, coaching with an executive this morning, our very first session. And it's a company right now that he is, uh, the executive is completely burned out. His team is burned out. And again, the number one challenge is, quite frankly, the CEO's communication. And so this is a problem with almost every organization I see. How, what about you anecdotally? All right. Well, as you know, uh, for the past seven years, I've been doing work with the International Olympic Committee, right. interviewing uh, Olympic Games organizers. And without divulging too many confidences, right, uh, what I will say is uh, uh, we ask a number of questions in interviews that we conduct with them. Uh, one of those questions we ask is, uh, what would you consider to be your most important success and how did you achieve it? Yeah. And another question we ask is, uh, uh, what was the most challenging issue that you faced and how did you resolve it? Great question. The, the, the answer to the question about successes, which relate to their most important projects, deliverables, milestones, etc. When it comes to the how did you achieve it, the number one response has been... Uh, well, I'll, I'll say for a certain organizing committee, because I did this, I, I did a study on these questions uh, for a specific organizing committee. I won't name which one it is. Uh, the number one response was communication, integration, working together, collaborating. This is how we achieve the success. Uh, then when the question was raised on the, the most challenging issue, uh, the most challenging issues were communication, right? So, uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, we're talking like 79, 80% uh, of responses. So it's, it's, it, it, it leads by a mile, you know, uh, communication simultaneous, the biggest reason for success and the biggest issue to be overcome. Oh, see, and that tracks right with, with what I'm seeing. So interesting. And if you're listening to this on LinkedIn or uh, Twitter or or even YouTube, I'd love we'd love to hear from you. You can just put in the chat and tell us, you know, it, what what you experienced in your organization or in your relationships uh, as it relates to your success or challenges with with communication. So, you mentioned the the Grammarly research. So so this is these are our data points that you and I are sharing, and we talk about them regularly. This is a uh, a study that was done for for the U.S. the United States um, by Grammarly. And why don't you share some of the 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 data that they found? Well, the study is just packed with statistics and all kinds of interesting insights related to the data. A couple of those that stood out to me. Uh, number one, uh, communication again raised as a major issue. Uh, an incredible loss of productivity due to poor communication. On average, uh, about eight hours a day uh, or eight hours a week. Excuse eight hours me, a week. A yeah. Lot, loss due to poor communication, which is you know twenty percent. Twenty percent decrease in productivity just because of poor communication. Uh, 
And then another statistic that really jumped out to me that I thought was interesting is that knowledge workers or workers in general, I think, uh, spend, what is it, like 20 hours a week or 50% about, yeah, just about 50% of their work week is spent on written communication, which just boggles my mind. But then as I look at my day, that's that tracks true. I, I'm spending most of my my time on a computer typing. And if I'm not typing, then I'm on a computer talking, like uh, we're having a conversation here in a meeting. And uh, uh, so, yeah, most of our work week is spent communicating. Yeah, but I, we I, don't do a very good job. And, and it's not always productive communication. So I was talking to a, a, a senior executive who was saying that in in their communication with the CEO, they spend about three and a half hours a day just with micromanagement and, and frustrations and and just managing the the relationship. I mean, that's time that could be spent with you know customers or employees, but that is almost unproductive time. So that is uh, that's a, again from a client to me. That that is how this is, is showing up. It also says that three and four business leaders—that's seventy-two percent—admit that their team has struggled to communicate effectively. And there's several assumptions when it comes to business and leaders. First of all, that communication just comes naturally because we're, we're you know we're supposed to be communicating. But communication is always working for you, but it's not. I mean, I do several exercises with communication just to show how easy communication messes up. Like even this morning with my coaching session, this, the, the, the client was supposed to meet with me yesterday, but they got busy. And, and so we rescheduled it for this morning and um, they're in a different time zone, but where they are is uh, actually did not switch for the daylight savings. And so they were like on at six, 45 this morning and they're like, Hey, how come you're not on? I'm like, well, because it's an hour from now. <laughs> it's something as simple as that was, you know, that, that happens all the time, but let's do a little experiment. We didn't plan this. Christian, I, I want you to uh, draw just, do you have a pen and paper handy? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. So and if you're, if you're listening to this, you know, just grab a pen and paper. And what I want you to do, Christian, is I want you to draw a rectangle with a circle on the top, a circle in the middle, and a circle on the bottom. Okay. Okay, you got it? Yep. Okay, show me what you got. Okay, yeah, excellent. You got a rectangle with a circle on the top, circle in the middle, and the circle on the bottom. Now, what I wanted was that. Yep. I realized it after I drew it. I'm like, this looks so, kind of weird. But you know what? I bet he wanted that. 95% like of the for. time, I get what you what you drew, right? And and what I was looking for is more like a semaphore, right? The, the stoplight yeah. where you have a rectangle with a circle on top and the middle of the bottom. Well, I think I have communicated extremely clearly. And if you're listening to this and you're a manager or a leader and you're like, man, I communicate clearly, but I don't get the results I want. Yeah. You may be saying something in a way that someone else doesn't understand, or in your case, 
you didn't ask me any questions. Well, where does the circle go? Is it in the box or the rectangle? Is it on top of the rectangle? But I think because I'm being clear that it should turn out the way I expect, and it doesn't. And it's, uh, that is such a basic example of how communication can go wrong when we think we're, we're being effective. Yeah, it's a great example. Uh, you know, for me, what's really interesting about this is the time element. You know, because yeah. you could say you you could say what you just said. I want you to to uh, do this, draw the rectangle in the circles. You could show an example and like, okay, I know what I need to draw, but right. If you if you wrote that out in an email or something to somebody, yep. and you try to explain it, it takes you a lot longer to do this. And I think this is part of the contribution to unproductive communication because uh, there there are uh, there are ways to communicate that are faster than writing, but we are spending a lot of time on writing. If we're spending half of our work week on writing, texting, uh, writing is hard. Slacking, slacking. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me think of Back to the Future. Slacker. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, so, but the, the, the number that stood out to me, Christian, and this is, again, just for the U.S. only, is the cost in losses of productivity because of communication, $1.2 trillion a year. It's like, uh, what, uh, in terms of a percentage of GDP, uh, <laughs> it's a big number. It's a huge number. It's a huge number. So, so what do we do? You know, today we're going to get into just a, a simple suggestion. And how do you begin to, to improve? Well, let me give you an example from just this past weekend. When I did this team diagnostic with this, with this organization in, in Michigan, the CEO had been working on mission, vision, and values something that they hadn't done before. And, and it just didn't feel like it was was something that, that they needed. Some companies have them, some companies don't. But had, he, had, he and his seniors, uh, executives, were, were working on this, and they came up with core values, vision, mission, all of that. And the challenge that he had is that his team of you know mid-managers, frontline managers, they are resistant. And, it, and we, I did a... Uh, a poll or assessment of their entire team. And Christian there, let me explain, uh, their behavioral profile came back that 65% had high conforming as their high trait. Well, what is that? High conforming is systems-oriented quality assurance trait. They're very procedural. They're very precise. They're very conscientious. They're very careful. They're very loyal. They're very meticulous, they're very structured, they're very dedicated, they're very perfectionistic. Now, that's the high trait. So they sometimes will struggle with, with change unless you know they know exactly what is uh, expected. And 90% of the team have conformity above the line. So that's a, that's a huge number. Tw the, the second highest was what we call patient. 25% had that as their highest trait. And 70% had that above the line. Well, what is the patient's trait? It's just how adaptable they are. They are uh, unhurried. They want time to adjust. And so of any of the traits that 
would be flexible and adaptable to, to uh, accept the new. These are the two highest traits that would have the hardest time adapting to change. And so in his experience, they were very resistant. And he was really worried. So I was worried. We took the, uh, we took the survey and we found that um, their low, one of their lowest scores was, was communication and trust and their ability to, to have disagreements. And, and that's related a lot to the, the team, the leadership's team's communication behavioral makeup, right? How they are most comfortable behaving. Um, there, only 15% had high dominance above the line, no high dominance on the team whatsoever. So high extroversion, only 10% was their high trait. So the traits that are the most resistant, I was having to come into, and I was like, oh, how's this going to work? How it worked is I shared the results of the team diagnostics over time. I did it a little bit at a time, and then we discussed it. I was very, I, I was very soft in my demeanor. I was more relaxed. I had a discussion. I was not just telling them this is the way it is. I, I was able to bring in the team and starting to get them to open up. And we did it over two days, Christian. And so what that allowed us to do is the, those who were the most resistant had time to realize that this is information that's meant to help them in their, in their position, in, with the company, with their employees. This was not something that was being forced on them. And we wanted their buy-in and input. And it took two days and I'm telling you, at the very end, the last couple of hours we spent as a team working on how are we going to make these core values integrated into everything we do, not one bit of resistance at all. It was, to me, it was one of the, it was a huge validating moment in that if we just start to communicate to people in the way that they need to be communicated with, it will have a huge impact. So often as leaders, we just bring our natural talents and, and personality to the table and say, this is what I want, that, this is what I want. And, and, and that's what's happening with one of the clients that I told you I was coaching this morning. His personality is so perfectionistic. He you know, is, is critical and demanding, and his team is different and they are not receiving it well. They're resisting. They're pushing back. And so his communication is not having the impact that he wants. So you have a choice as a leader. Do you just say, well, I'm going to be who I am and my people are going to have to adjust? Or do you want to actually get their buy-in and have results? Well, and to me, there are a couple of lessons out of that. Number one, congratulations to them for recognizing that they had a challenge and addressing it because a lot of companies just don't, right? Right, right. So they, for whatever reason, they were probably, I don't want to say suffering enough, but they were, they, they saw this as, as a, as an important issue and we have to resolve it and be, we have to get people who know what they're doing to help us because we can't do this on their uh, on our own. So that you know, that, I think that's a really really important uh, element. Is you know, sometimes you think, oh, well, I can self diagnose and I can self correct, but they, you may not have the skills and the 
the knowledge and the experience to actually do that. And so you, you need to get someone with experience to come in there and help you figure out how to communicate more effectively. You know, you're, you're, you're so right. I asked this, this, the CEO that I was coaching, I said, so, you know, what is something good that you're proud of right now? And he says, you know, the fact that, that I'm taking this step to make changes for myself and for my team and, and working with, with you. And that's exactly what he said. I mean, so often our pride in leadership and just because we have the authority and the position, we're like, well, I should have all the answers. I should know how to fix everything all the time. But just because you're competent in, in business or strategy or, or engineering, that does not translate necessarily. And, and it, it f- ties into the assumption that the Grammarly study said that we assume that we're good at communication. And if you conflate your, your competence in your career or even your role with the fact that you have good communication, then you're going to create problems. And there will be pain, Christian. So sometimes it, all you have to do is ask the team and they'll tell you <laughs> we, we struggle. Now, let me ask you a question. This, uh, this two-day, I don't know what you call it, a workshop, It's retreat, a team diagnostic, yeah. Yeah, whatever it was. Was that done in person? It was, it was done in person. Yeah. And so what we do is we assess every team member and it, it, it's, it's quite an extensive survey and it measures 14 elements of, you know, the team's performance and, and their, the conditions on the team that, that to maintain those, uh, you know, performance indicators. And so it's, it's from their perspective, not mine, it's all done anonymously and it is, and so what, what we would do is we would share their results with them and discuss them. Is this accurate? How do you feel about this? And we, so we would spend the time unpacking the data. What does it mean? And is this what they want? And if not, what do they want instead? And how are we going to behave going forward? And it's just an incredible way because once you start treating the team as a system and not just a, a collection of individuals, you can see very, very quick changes within an organization. And so the, the best way to do that is in person. And we're able to see body language and who's struggling and who's speaking up, who's dominating, who's, you know, who's not. And, and we create team agreements for how the team is going to operate. And it's just, it's amazing what happens. And it's, it gives me great hope for organizations that they can, they can improve and just the, get rid of the pain and, and pr- the problems aren't going to get smaller, Christian, as you know, but our ability to handle them increases. Well, one of the things that I found interesting in this Grammarly study, uh, you have spent years um, working with this diagnostic uh, method, ProScan, figuring out people's uh, profiles and so on and so forth uh, to, de- to determine their their kind of baseline communication st- styles, as well as how they react under pressure, right? Which right. is, yeah. I, I, I love this. I love this diagnostic. Well, there's something in the Grammarly that is about channels of communication, which I think is interesting because what they do is they have a little uh, bar chart that looks at various channels of communication. And the most preferred channels of communication are A, virtual video meetings, and be in-person meetings. Uh, this is for knowledge workers, right? Right. Uh, for millennials, they highly prefer the virtual video meetings. And then after that, it's like text chats and things like that. 
Uh, they don't like as uh, meeting as much in person. I have a feeling that some of this in person backlash just has to deal with the logistics. It's like, oh, I got to commute somewhere to meet with people and and you know and there may be some people that just don't like meeting in person because it's uncomfortable uh but but i think it's interesting to see from the overall knowledge worker perspective being able to see somebody whether it's in person or video is preferable to text-based uh communication for them and i i was just envisioning in my mind the work that you're doing you're doing this intensive two-day thing could you do that in writing? No. Or could you even do it virtually? I, I, I suspect that you could do some of that virtually, but it would be harder than doing it in person. It, it would because, and we've talked about this many times on the show, is how easy it is for people to check out and and not be involved. Um, and, and I think you're you're correct in that it's it's not convenient. So let me let me just explain a little bit more. There were so many of we had 19 people in this group you usually you want to keep it to a max of 15 people when you're doing a, a team diagnostic because it's hard to to really coach and and manage a, a group that big the one the week before was exactly 15 i would say 90 percent of them did not want to be there they were dreading <laughs> As a matter of fact, one of the, the more senior guys that uh, used to be in the Air Force, he was like, I, he said at the end of the first day, he says, I have to tell you, I was so not looking forward to, to sitting in this meeting for two days and just being, you know, talked at. And, and he says, I, I am so excited that this is, this is more than that. It is an opportunity to, to improve the skills and the conditions on the team that make your life easier. But that takes a little bit of effort. Instead of taking the path of least resistance, which many times is, is a video meeting, I mean, if we're honest, it's so much more convenient and so, more, so much easier for you and I to meet here virtually than to go down and find a studio and meet in person. I mean, it, it, oh, it, so, so there's some productivity benefits from doing this. But... To really get the team, if you want to do something important to go to the next level, you need to be in person. As a matter of fact, Ford, have you heard what Ford Corporation is doing? No, I haven't heard. What are they doing? They they are, you know, all this talk that we've been having about quiet quitting and remote work and this and, and the other thing. They're like, they've taken a stand. They're saying, listen, if you're not willing to get on board, be in person, be productive, uh, you're not getting a pension. And you have 90 days to prove that you're willing to get on board and start uh, showing up and, and, and being all in. And if you're not, that's fine. Well, you can, you can leave, but you're, you're not getting, you're not, you know, you're not going to get the normal, normal pension. So they're, they're, they're up in the ante because they've had it with people that are saying, Hey, I, I just want, I want what I want. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to quit if you don't, if you don't give me everything I want. And I think that's actually going to be, happening more and more as as organization organizations say listen we can't have everybody taking advantage of us i feel and you and i both feel that there is a happy medium with giving people freedom and flexibility and hybrid work but at the same time there needs to be there are times when we need to be in person because you will accomplish much more when it comes to um 
innovation and, and creativity, yes, you can do that virtually. But every once in a while to, to solve the big problems, to get people on board and really energized, it's really hard to beat in person. Well, it's interesting. You know, I've got I've talked about this gentleman a couple of times, Bassam, who owns a software company up in Park City, and he has everybody come to the office every day, pretty much. You know, uh, and and his employees rave about the culture that they've created there. Uh, they, you know, and in an era where you've got big business pitted against the employees who want to stay home, a big business right. wanting to bring them back, and, and it's really. Uh, you know, in some cases, cynically speaking, it's more about control rather than trying to build culture. Right. And, and uh, I agree with that. You know, <laughs> and, that's, uh, and that's why there's pushback. The, and, and the employees know it. I mean, if, if your kids know when you're not paying attention to you, even when they're small, right? They know when you're engaged in talking to them. And, and so it's hard to hide our, our true purposes and motives when, you know, it, the employees are smart. They know if we if, if it's just about productivity or if it's about hey, let's make this a place where people really want to come and be all in. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's just really interesting to me just to see how how he has very intentionally and meticulously built this company culture over time. Yeah. And his employees are always on LinkedIn promoting the culture. And, I, you know, a cynical person might say, well, yeah, they're trying to do that because they're trying to hire people and need to attract people. So they need to. Well, they're going to have, have an advantage. Appearances, but they do, they they do have they do have an advantage. But the the tides are turning. You know, look at all these big companies that are laying people off now. We just saw Facebook is laying off an eleven thousand people or something like that. Meta, Twitter's yeah. laid off half of its, uh, yeah, Meta. Uh, face, uh, Twitter's just laid off half its uh, workforce um, now that Elon's taken over. There've been a lot of layoffs in big tech and and other companies are. Are are trying to trim uh, trim their workforce and and so you know I think and where who are the ones that are going to go first? I mean, is it the highly productive and engaged employees, or the ones who are quote unquote quiet quitting? So that's what's happening at, at Ford is that it's time for us to 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 you know to do it right and to communicate, to engage, to 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 give our our employees uh, a great place to work where they want to work, but by improving communication. And, and here's the one takeaway that I, that I would love for people to have. Change the way you speak. If I'm, if I'm coming to you, Christian, and I want your buy-in, I need to know what's going what's gonna to reach you, what's going to impact you. That's going to give me the greatest chance of getting you on board. That means I need to learn how, how you communicate. That means I need to have empathy and I need to have a desire to uh, to get the best out of you, not just for control purposes, but because I care about you and I care about the business. That, and, and that is, that takes work. You know, you don't just show up and, and some people are somewhat natural at it, but I think as you start to really care about your people, um, you'll begin to adapt and have a different conversation. And and I was very, very intentional with this group. I, I took my energy down. I was a little more relaxed with them. I wasn't making, you know, huge assertions. Um, I, you know, we, we made agreements together and it allowed them to hear what I was saying. But that's, that takes preparation. 
And if you learn how to, how to adapt your communication style, people will hear you, people will know that you care, and they will respond. Uh, I think that's a, 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 a fitting lesson, perfect way to kind of wrap the bow around this conversation today, Spencer. If other organizations want to change the way they communicate, figure out how to be uh, more engaging and productive and build better, high-performing and happy teams, uh, what's the best way for people to reach out and get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, you go go to my website, altium, A-L-T-I-U-M, leadership.com. Message me on LinkedIn, Spencer Horn on LinkedIn. Um, we can do what's called a team leader view assessment. It's free and, and let you see the team diagnostic. We can also do a, a behavioral profile or pro scan. Happy to do that if you're interested to see how this works and teach you the methodology to begin to to improve your communication. Um, it, it really it really works. And Christian, you know, you you're spending hours, I don't know, 12 hours a day <laughs> communicating with with people from all over the world. And and so you have so so much experience in really getting large organizations to improve their communication through stories and 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 internal assessments in terms of the it's not a team diagnostic, but it is a project. What, what would you call it? Yeah, uh, I, there are several use cases, but in that particular instance, you may refer to it as a retrospective or something like that, right? right. Which is kind of reflecting back on what has transpired uh, for the benefit of future you or your future colleagues uh, who are going to be doing work in the in the coming months and years so that they can learn uh, from the experience that you've gained. Yeah, I mean, you, we get to learn from those past experiences and 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 capture the best practices, right? It's, and, and you've got such an efficient and effective way of doing that. So how can people learn about that? Well, that's a very kind of you to, to uh, ask that question, Spencer. People can reach me on LinkedIn. So just look up Christian Napier on LinkedIn. You'll find me there. Uh, you can also visit our website, which is raconto.io. That's R-A-K-O-N-T-O.io. And you can contact me there, or you can just email me directly, christian at raconto.io. Wow. Okay, Spencer, uh, a super engaging uh, 30, 35 minutes. And I look forward to seeing you and Jana in Cyprus next week. So safe travels. Listeners, thank you for joining us. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. We'll catch you again soon.